0: Welcome, I'm Kevin Miller, and this podcast is called Self-Helpful because not all self-help is helpful. I'm your curator, critic, and translator of the best and brightest minds in the self-help world today. How to de-roll from your daily roles. Even if we are being authentic, we often put on a different face for the roles we have in life. I'd like to think I'm the same guy all the time, but how I interact with my 10-year-old daughter is different from how I interact with a podcast guest, for instance. I mean, I'm still me, but I have different expectations and engage from different orientations based on who I'm in front of. And sometimes we can struggle to switch gears. This is my part two session, Values, Motives, and Habits with Vienna Farron licensed marriage and family therapist, one of New York City's most sought after relationship therapists, and now author of her first book, The Origins of You, How Breaking Family Patterns Can Liberate the Way We Live and Love. That was part one together. Vienna has nearly 700,000 followers tuning in on Instagram to find their authentic selves. And it's in the beginning topic in this episode of spirituality where Vienna discusses her efforts to de-roll in her life, a concept I've not heard defined quite like this before. You're also going to hear a special insert in this episode as at the end of the show, Vienna asked to share something else that greatly altered her spiritual life. And I actually had it clipped out of the end and brought back up to the beginning where we talked about spirituality and the story is the death of her dog and holding him as he took his last breath. She shares how it shifted her relationship with death and made it less scary. And I was really honored Vienna was moved enough to share this with us. Honestly, her candor and relatability touched me a lot. She really engaged in our conversation much more like a patient than a counselor. And I felt I was talking just with a friend. And I'd say this is why she has such a massive following of people who feel the same. Other highlights that you'll hear as we walk through this uh, regarding relationships, Vienna works to accept limitations and strengths in her relationships. With health and wellness, she says for her, movement is like salve. I appreciate that and relate to that. Mind and mental health are her profession. And she shares that she learned to like alone time because she was a single child. Yet she also shares she's an introvert. And I press in as to which she gives more credit to. I thought it was interesting. Regarding wanting alone time, is it a bit of a nature versus nurture discussion that we got into? And with work and career, Vienna said she loves being in meaningful conversations with people. And with money and finances, she shares how her relationship with money has changed throughout her life. And she makes a quip that I found really interesting and asked her to, explain when she said wounds and gifts are neighbors. You'll hear that in more coming up. The self-helpful podcast was founded by the Zig Ziglar corporation. If you are a coach or consultant and want to add credibility clients and impact to your business, go to ziglar.com. This podcast's friends exist to help you find and understand the guidance and counsel that will help you elevate your personal experience of life and the way you show up for others following these sponsors who help make the show possible and provide great resources for your life. I bring you Vienna Farron and a walk through her values, motives and habits. Her book again is the origins of you, how breaking family patterns can liberate the way we live and love. And you can find her on Instagram at, at Mindful MFT, as in marriage and family uh, therapy, Mindful MFT. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes Well, Vienna, I almost ended our last discussion together on a well, a very spiritual place on a, quoting some some of the Bible out of there, and you as a therapist. You know what? I'll I'll start right there because I had uh, Tama Bryant on the show about a year ago, who at the time was president-elect of the APA. Uh, I think she's now uh, officially you know president, and that's part of her platform is mm-hmm. bringing spirituality into psychology into therapy you know somewhat so i'm i'm always curious as where that falls in your own life the spiritual aspect tell me about it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a big part and um yeah to always obviously when i'm in working with clients i'm meeting people where they're at i and And I think the role of therapist is to not put any of your stuff on uh those who are in front of you and to really kind of understand the way in which people you know see the world yeah. uh relate to themselves, relate to God relate to universe et cetera um but yeah, the spiritual space is a really important one for me and um I've had there's different ways in which I can connect with that. You, I think I think this was I think this was off mic before, but you had mentioned flow state earlier, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, that's one of the ways uh, in which there is just a deep, deeper connection to everything that is around and within. Um, I grew up as a, an athlete uh, and always found that when i got into that space right that was a place where my mind could kind of shut off you know all the thinking parts and um i think anybody who's maybe gotten into that space before and you know, it was like there's this deep sense of presence that comes when you are just in flow and i think for many of us that happens in nature um i my husband and I used to live in New York city. We now live in upstate New York, uh, on, you know, a number of acres and to just even exist in nature, um, and not have any noise pollution. is right? like that, that, you know, kind of brings you to again, something bigger than you. And the same with moving my body. Uh, I played a lot of sports. I played lacrosse in college. I, um, I, I never, not, not, uh, officially, but loved boxing and, you know, would find myself in particular boxing workouts where I was just in, you know, tapped into it. And then, um, do you, have you talked much about psychedelics
0: on your show before or has that been a, no, I've had the request to, you know, to get some, like, uh, I'm a, I'm a Michael Pollan fan and, yeah. uh, that's a big part of him. And even recently, I think I've been seeing, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman, who we're supposed to be having mm-hmm. on the show talking about it as well, but no, please.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I
0: obviously we will, we'll say, you know,
1: this needs to be sort of an intentional, Thing and with anything that we do, um, I think the, the setting and you know who's around you and what the support looks like is is very important. Um, it, it's funny I I have never done any drugs in my entire life um, up until the point where I uh, took mushrooms uh, as an adult. And, uh, and I, and I had, I had drank at times before too, but, but prior, like never smoked weed, never dabbled in anything. And that might've been because I was an athlete and, you know, that, that was just not part of my world. But, um, when the first time that I uh took mushrooms psilocybin right it was like you know really opened me up and connected me to to source in a way that i had never been connected to before um and yeah it's one of those things that i think is hard to necessarily put into words but i've had a number of experiences Again, have not gone on that many journeys you know under ten uh, in, in my lifetime, but a number of journeys that have been incredibly revealing and opening for me. Um, as well as being pregnant <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, bringing a little, little one into the world. Uh, you know, you think about the different experiences in which it just kind of expands and opens you up to the sacredness of, and Oh my gosh, just the, like the magic of right? uh, that- the things that, yeah, that can be hard to put into to words. I, I don't know for yeah. you. I know you mentioned, do you have three children or you have more than three? You said up at that point. I had... Nine, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you might be familiar with uh, the, the birthing process and, yeah. um, you know, sort of like these moments in life that bring you to this space that is just so much bigger than anything that our brains can wrap themselves around.
0: So is there, so for you on a, whether it's daily or weekly or whatever, what are some some consistent practices or or ways that you try to step into that space?
1: Yeah. So movement Mm -hmm. is so important for me. I try to move as much as I can throughout the week, whether, whatever that workout might look like, um, going for walks uh, without devices. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all the distractions away, um, because I have a little one in my life. I love going for his name is code. Uh, I love going for code led walks, um, which is, uh, I think Montessori esque, but, um, this idea of, you know, not going at my pace, but going at your pace in which you show me all of the things mm-hmm. that I would a hundred percent miss if I was walking my adult self around. Right. And so like the, again, the, the magic and beauty of being at the level and pace of a tiny human, I think as many people say, you know, how much playfulness and joy comes into our lives when we are around little humans in the Mm -hmm. world, you know, it's like that, that is something that is so special, but I try to get out into nature. Um, even if it's just, even in a busy day, like to just walk outside and touch the tree and, you know, we've got little nooks on on our land where, where we can go and just sit Um, sitting with tea. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever done tea ceremonies before. Hmm. Um, I am a big senses person. What that means to me is um, I can, I connect to things through intentional sense. So smell, sound, yeah, touch, right so what music i put on and and get very intentional with that what scent i maybe if i'm lighting palo santo in the home or something like that that again is something that shifts something significantly for me and to sit in that right to whether it's a meditation but like something very intentional about being with that um i remember when this is a little bit less now but when i was when we were living in the city and i was going into work every day into the office now i get to see a lot of clients uh virtually but this idea of walking like this um what did i call it uh Oh gosh, it's so funny. This is my my term, and I'm f- I've forgotten it, but maybe it'll come back to me. But this oh, de rolling. Hmm. So as I walk into the apartment from the outside noise and the outside chaos and all of that, right, it's like, okay, the scent goes on, the, the changing of the clothes goes on, off and then on, the sound goes on and the role of being huh. out in the world, being therapist, you know, the, this identity, right, is this shift into how I'm going to exist now. And so even though it's a little bit different, because I don't have to, you know, enter exit and I'm not maybe as affected by, you know, the, the noise and the people and all of that, it's still very important for me on a daily practice to have those pieces there for me. Um, You know, some of the routines, honestly, uh, whether it's the way in which I, as simple as the way in which I make my coffee in the morning, right? Like there's a lot of pieces to it, (laughs) go figure. I mean, I think a lot, you know, somebody who takes something like that so seriously, right? There's like a number of pieces in in it that is very supportive for me. Breath work. Uh, my husband does. He he really can't get me into that cold plunge. I gotta say, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. every once in a while. But um, you know, it's it's it, those are the things I think on the daily connection. You know, it, it, sometimes you don't have to have. I listen to people who are like I, you know, I journal for an hour, then I sit in meditation for an hour, then I do that, you know. And honestly, let me just poke a hole in that. For some of us, like I think sometimes it's really in this day to day stuff that is more accessible. But when we do it distracted, it's not as meaningful as it could be. It's not as sacred as it could be, right? So like going for the walk, but well, if you're on your phone the entire time, yeah. that's a really different experience. Um, playing with your children and, you know, but being distracted because the television is on, it's a really different experience. Um, try doing your coffee, but not being intentional with it, right? It's like, that's a very different experience. So I think one of the things is about actually being deeply connected to the things that you're doing and eliminating the distractions so that you can feel and connect and experience, you know, the, the magic and the sacredness that i think yeah. kind of exists in everything.
0: You use the word sacredness. So we are very kindred spirits in what you talked about and as much as i like spontaneity and i don't like confines and i don't like uh yeah i don't like confines so even schedules mm-hmm. and whatever i tend to kick against it was my brother who, by the way, very, very into uh, psychedelics and, and mm-hmm. uh, journeys. That's a big part of his life. But he brought it to me. He was actually talking about both of us. He says, yeah, we're both really appreciate our rituals. And I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that, that I am very mm-hmm. like that ritualistic in my yeah. coffee, in my tea, yeah. in my wine and dinner, mm-hmm. in my music. And uh, even that I live out in the country like you do. But I come in from the house take my shoes and socks off and put my feet. We have a concrete floor that's just a couple inches above dirt. So it's Mm -hmm. a grounding. And just, so I appreciate that. So, but you put in that word sacred. I like the sacredness and the rituals and kind Mm -hmm. of honoring that thing we're doing instead of just Mm -hmm. rolling through it, which is hard for me sometimes with some of the Mm -hmm. movement stuff. I'm thinking of performance over that. Mm -hmm. So you said your, your kid's name is code code. Spell that C O D C O D E. That's interesting. We have a, my, I have one Nekoda. N E K O D A. We call him Coda. So I was just, that's oh, interesting. What were you, you were going to say something about the sacred and the ritual.
1: Um, I that sometimes it. we overthink it, that sometimes we try to do so much, right? That sometimes it like, and I I, I was saying it before, yeah. um, but I, because I, I, I hear stories from you. oh, I feel so guilty that I don't do all these things. We, we have all the, oh, do this, do that, do this, do that. These are all the things that are so good. We know that this is great for us. We know that this is good for us. And it's like, I think there is something about just looking at what your life is and how can you do it more tuned in, you know? Yeah. Right. More, like more instead present, of... Yeah. Right. More present, right. To allow for, you know, what if you just looked outside for five minutes and tried to notice something that you haven't noticed before? What if you went for a walk and listened for 10 different sounds? Yeah. Like what would you find? What would you see? What would you come in contact with? Right. So instead of, you know, great, if all of that stuff works for people, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But I, I guess I'd rather speak to the person who's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I don't wanna I don't wanna journal for 30 minutes every day. I don't wanna do you know, it's like, okay, so what are you doing already yeah. that you could be more present to? Man,
0: I really like your term of de rolling getting out Mm -hmm. of those roles. Uh, I think that's Mm -hmm. something I appreciate, but I haven't really defined and solidified. So I'll be thinking on that. Thank you for, thank you. Thank you for that.
1: Can Uh, I say one more thing about
0: your first question? Yes.
1: I forgot to share this. Um, A few, maybe six ish weeks after code was born, uh, my golden retriever, whom I had for about, about 12 years, uh, he passed away and he was diagnosed with cancer uh, a couple weeks before code was born. And they said that, that he had, had a few days or, um, and he wound up extending it a bit. Uh, we, we didn't no surgery or anything, um, that we, that we did. We just sort of let him have his kind of natural ending. And he had asked me about spirituality at the beginning and, being present for his name is Bronx. Uh being present for Bronx's death was one of the most meaningful and, and spiritual experiences of my life. And he he died at home naturally. Um and I remember, you know, there were a lot of lessons that were coming up um, and Bronx getting cancer really out of nowhere had been super healthy before that just kind of came in. And then it was like, all right, it's going to be over. And it was like, Whoa, this is, this is shocking. And wait, this feels particularly cruel because I'm bringing my firstborn into the world simultaneously. And like, wait, what's happening and all of that. And then finally kind of let go of control and I remember the morning, um, I, there were a couple of times where we thought it was going to be the last day and he bounced back a bit and he was so funny in his final days. He had such humor. Uh, and in the final morning, um, Connor, my husband's sibling with him and he calls to me and he's like, I think, I think he's going to be going now if you want to come over. And so um, my where we had some support in the house. So I left code and went and laid with Bronx and it was forehead to forehead with him. And Connor had his head on, on his chest where he's listening to his heart and, you know, we're breathing with him and animals know how to die. You know, he didn't really need any support from, from us, but we were there and it was just the most beautiful experience ever i mean so painful to lose him um but to be present for his death and to and to have this takeaway of like i remember afterwards saying i hope that everybody dies the way that bronx died Mm -hmm. feeling loved and held and welcomed back you know buddy we you know in whatever form you want to come back into this family. Like we've got a spot for you. We love you. You know, you've been such a good dog and, and all of this. And I just remember just being in this space and he, he took two final breaths. I think the one, maybe when his soul left and, you know, the last was just his, his final, his final breath. And, um, we just arched his neck one way and I thought that was it. And then he arched it one more back. And then, you know, that that was when his heart stopped and we sat there with him and you know, I, I, I have had people die in my life before, um, but I've never been there for the final breath. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been holding someone. And this is an animal. And, um, but, you know, for those of you who have, who have dogs, you, you understand how much they're a part of your family and mm-hmm. how, how meaningful they are, even though they're not, you know, a human being. But I just remember like my relationship to death shifting. And that felt so important for me. There was something about it in that space that just made it so much less scary. You know, it was like, I think, as um, Stephen Jenkinson says, you know, we are a a death phobic, grief phobic uh, society. And there was something about that experience is like, this is beautiful, beautiful this is beautiful. And I wanted to share that just because it really shifted my relationship to death. And I think that takeaway of like, I hope that everybody can die this way. And I know that people will not, I know that not everybody will be held that, that their last experience here is not going to be,
0: I am so loved. I am so held. I am so worthy. Thank you for that. Relationships is the next one. And I've got, I've got something from our past conversation I wanted to bring up, but I'll, I'll I'll start there. First off relationships. When you look at relationships, which my gosh, is the core of, you know, even of your book, it's the origins of Mm -hmm. you to understand you relationship with self and then Mm -hmm. forward with others. So this is part of your profession uh, right Mm -hmm. here, but I'll pose a question to you on relationships. What are the values that rise to the surface when I pose that question?
1: Integrity. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think everything kind of falls underneath that then, right? It's like, I'm like, you know, trustworthiness, but that's part of integrity. Kind, You know, all of the things are a part of integrity. It's I, that is a huge pillar in my life. And I think professionally, personally, it's the number one place that I exist I think authenticity, funny enough that we've been like, how do we define it?
0: what does it mean? But I was going to ask that and integrity, we can kind of hold together. Can't we?
1: Yeah. You know, I think what I hear from people and I believe, and it is true. It's like, no matter where you see me or find me, and this is who I am, this is what you get in my therapy sessions outside with friends, like, no, there's no persona that gets put on, you know, this is, this is it. And I like the idea of showing up the same way, you know, sure. Might I have some more energy for something? Might, you know, yes, of course. But it's like, no, no, at the core, this is Vienna. And the idea that people know who I am because of that feels, feels good.
0: use promo code kevin Airdoctorpro.com promo code kevin isn't, isn't that a part of the back to our discussion on grappling with authenticity is mm-hmm. you saying again back to that quote of love can be unconditional but for relationships they they do need, doesn't need to have conditions mm-hmm. your word i appreciate using persona that we are talking mm-hmm. about that, that I'm gonna be authentic. I'm not gonna put on a mask or a persona, mm-hmm. even as I honor some conditions relationally that may be different yes. according to different people's boundaries, uh, whatnot in there. But that's that feels like a good aspect and I, of authenticity.
1: And I also get to choose what I feel is appropriate to reveal to fair. Right, like yeah. I don't need to reveal every part of myself to everyone. Yeah. So first off, we don't do that in therapy anyway, um, and not be. I don't operate as a black blank slate therapist, but. Ew. I'm a very big believer that if you're self-disclosing, you're self-disclosing when you're on the other side of the the mountain, right? Meaning like you don't, I don't self-disclose if I'm in a mess of something, right? I don't need to, I'm not, I don't need anybody else's. It's no, it is not my client's responsibility to care for me, even though I know they care about me as a human being, of course, but it is not their responsibility to care for me. That's not the role. And so, you know, of course, uh, to speak, not everybody who's listening is a a therapist, but um, across the board, we don't have to share everything that's happening in our lives with everyone. Part of what I'm talking about is discernment. right? right. Right. And discernment doesn't equate to inauthenticity. To me it's wisdom. (laughs) You know, to me it's like, oh, I know where sharing this goes with you. I I I have history, I have data points, I have evidence here. And I think especially Oftentimes in the you know intimate relationships again, sometimes with our you know parents as as we are adults, you know, it's sort of this like oh, I wish that you could understand it, or I'm I'm hoping for a different you know experience with you. And I think there's this line between when hopefulness is something that is um, expansive and you know uh, saves us sometimes, even versus when it gets to a place where it is just our suffering.
0: Gosh, that's when, fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And so again, discernment becomes such an important skill set in order to be able to decide with whom, in what setting, mm-hmm. when, right? What is this in service of? You're not inauthentic just because you intentionally choose not to share something.
0: Right. Now, I appreciate that. It, choose not to share something or choose to serve or step out in a way that could come off as performing and say, Mm -hmm. no, I'm, I'm just caring for the other person. I've seen people grapple with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that I would say that it's more about caring for yourself. Okay. Um, or at least in the way that I'm thinking about it. So let me be really explicitly clear. I'm Mm. not suggesting that, okay, it is not inauthentic for you to withhold something that is going to affect somebody else, right? If you're like, oh, I am being unfaithful and I've listened to this show and now I've gotten the okay to not share information and that that can still mean that I am authentic. So I want to be clear in the way that we're describing this. What The way that I'm thinking about it is... Okay, I discernment is about knowing the difference between whether this is sharing this information is going to lead us to something that is connected, healthy, important, valuable, healing, et cetera, um, versus I know where this goes and it's about me. It's not about you. Right, like I'm. I want to share something about myself, but I'm going to choose with whom I do that.
0: Is it is it fair to say in the relationship to have the perspective of sharing what is going to mutually serve? It's going to serve yes. both of us. It's, it's, if it's just about me, then I got to own up. If it's just about me, it may not yes. serve them well. And in yes. honoring. The relationship. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. So for example, I, what's a good example that I can use? There are things that I might not share with my mom or my dad because it will have us go on a merry-go-round and I don't need to go on the
0: merry-go-round with them anymore. Well, would you say it's going to hit un, un- unresolved aspects that they have? Mhm. Okay.
1: And that's my perspective of it. Sure. But 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 again, it's it's the ability to just say, I don't, I, at this point in my life, my healing journey has taken me to a place where I don't, I don't need to go on the merry-go-round well, with you. Well,
0: can I turn that my question around too? I could say that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to enter that into that with them because, or with so-and-so because I still, ha- I know, and I know I have unresolution sure. in, in that. So okay. yes, yeah. That's yeah.
1: Fair. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to turn away from whatever that your resolution is. Right. Like, I think part of this is about knowing, Okay, there is a dead end here. And I think many of us know that with certain people in our lives. Right. It's like this isn't changeable. Right. This is not going to shift. And and so can I get to a place where I can accept what the limitations are, what the constraints are? Right instead of trying to jump back on this merry go round and find a different outcome this conversation all started with authenticity right and so it's it's to say that we can still remain authentic kind of revealed to ourselves or revealed to some of the important people in our lives. Like I would share that with my partner, knowing that we can have an entirely different conversation about whatever insecurity or thing or whatever it is that might be presenting. But to know that it's not going to go anywhere productive in certain dynamics is a place where I put a pattern down instead of picking the pattern up.
0: Goodness. Well, it reminds me too then even of the aspect of there are things that I may not share with my wife, not even from any unresolution, because it's not relevant for me to Mm -hmm. try to relate to her as a uh, father, you know, as a father, let's talk about what it's like to be a father or for her to try to relate about childbirth. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I was even there, but I've just never grown a kid in my belly. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't do that. That's what the, thank goodness. That is why we have other people. There's somebody I have coming on the show talking about that, about the need for other relationships in our life so that we don't mm-hmm. end up looking for any one person, specifically a spouse or significant other to be the end all for everything. Cause it's impossible. Right. We need other people. They can't relate. So on that, uh, well, on an aspect of this i thought of this on the first part of the show and wanted to ask this has got to be well i was gonna say daunting i guess it's daunting to me i won't put that on you you're uh you're a parent now Mm
1: -hmm. so as
0: you look at this at look at the pro (laughs) yeah exactly the profound nature of the operate you can't not Mm -hmm. give your kid an operating system it's got to uh I mean, I haven't conceived of it maybe to this degree and this defined, but realizing, man, I can't not be programming and influencing. Like I talked about first time, you know, brainwashing mm-hmm. my kids and I feel like gosh, I'm going to do my best. And, and now the saving grace or the redemption is especially to get older. I can just let them know, guys, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm brainwashed. I can't not. Let's just get that out on the table that you are. We've mm-hmm. got to get you some other experiences. We've got to get you talking with other people. We've got to get you understand. Well, or is, that, is it just that a, a big push? Would that be where you would say with your kid to help them be as self-aware as mm-hmm. possible? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, we know for sure, for certain that we are imperfect and flawed and we're going to create an environment that misses the mark. Sometimes yeah. I think overall, we're probably in a pretty decent place as, as parents go, but uh, it is not beyond us that we will let him down and we will say things or do things that, you know, get internalized by him in a particular way. And now that I've, you know, written the book and I've got those five wounds, you know, are like, what what origin wound do you think code's gonna have? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like it's it's real. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's that's okay. I think as parents, we do everything in our power to protect them from the big stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we, we really want to try to, to shield them from, you know, the big, the big T trauma stuff. Yeah. And, and we also know that they are here to have a story, you know, part, if they grew up in a vacuum in which they never had to resolve anything in life, like I'm not quite sure what the point is, True, you know, like yeah. there's, there is a need to be able to claim something for yourself, right. To turn towards, to be with the pain, to, um, to heal, you know, like yeah. that, that's, that's the beauty. You know, when we think like, why are we here? You know um, I think we all know it's not to go to the nine to five and, you know, do, do, do all that stuff right like what's the point of being here and i don't know i would i I would say it's to heal Mm -hmm. you know and maybe there's there's much more to it but on a on a very you know simple basic level right? it's like it's to heal it's to come into contact with our pain and to find a way to resolve it for ourselves so that we get to to choose differently and yeah it's a big responsibility obviously as a parent and i think one of the things that feels important knowing that we will misstep of course is to acknowledge and own it when we realize you know to be able to hold the space to honor what his experiences are and to acknowledge and take accountability uh once once we can. Yeah. You know, when I talk to I uh, I work with uh adult children is what I say. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh right? and what every adult child, you know, has ever said to me is that from a heartfelt place, right, is to be acknowledged by a parent is you know, something that we crave. We don't want it if it's not, if there's going to be excuses or explanations or this, that, and the other. But when a parent can get to a heartfelt place, no matter what the age is, right? It's, and you don't, it doesn't require you to be in relationship with them. You don't have to reconcile in some particular way, but to be seen, heard, and understood at the end of the day is what we want.
0: You know, we were, my book's coming out soon and I, I was grateful to have, Incredible endorsements by, you know, incredibly accomplished, uh, people, but the one that stood out, my dad's, mm. uh, you know, the, the affirmation and, uh, that he got, wow. and I was just, I was just watching it and so aware that that mm. was so significant. You know, you're, you're mentioning a minute ago that isn't part of the point of life to heal, um, reminds me of, uh, something that impacted me so much, uh, the author, Donald Miller, wrote a book, a million miles and a thousand years. And in that he's talking about what makes a good story and not a good story like to impress others, but to fulfill us. And he says it's a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Mm -hmm. And you bring me that that we're going to have, if we do anything of value, Mm -hmm. it's going to have conflict. And if we have a childhood of value, it's going to have conflict in it. And it is then the overcoming of that, the healing, as you say, that we Mm -hmm. find, yeah, the meaning and purpose. That's, that's good. That's that's deep water. Health and wellness is the next mm-hmm. category here. Obviously, you talked about your uh affinity mm-hmm. for movement. Uh mm-hmm. and did you mentioned cross-country skiing as an analogy earlier? Is that something you do?
1: Uh, I haven't skied in a while. I grew up skiing for sure. Yeah. Um but it's yeah, no, I haven't been out on the skis in a in a number of years. Yeah. So, but it's funny. I just had the conversation last night as like you know, we need to prioritize getting back out there. We were married in Whistler, B.C. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, we have to, yeah, we've, we've got to make this a priority. So uh, I tore my ACL, had a oh. baby, was pregnant, you know, all, all of the things. It's like there's this chapter, I feel like, where you're like, oh, nope, it's not here. And yeah. uh, no, got to get back in there. But, yes, movement is... Is the salve, and it always has been. Um, and it was one of the places, you know. Previously, I, I was naturally good at sports. Um, I worked at it too, um, but I but it, it came naturally for me. And it was a place where I could go when there was all the chaos and pain, right? And it was it was a place where I could avoid it you know huh. and i spent a lot of time there um i also got validation from it right because i was i was good at whatever sport i you know was generally doing but um it was yeah it was it was something that held me i think during a time where my emotional experience was overlooked
0: huh. I'm going to ask a question in regards to you as a therapist in the aspect of health that you may even prescribe in mm-hmm. movement because mm-hmm. it does to me. You said a salve, and I've always said you know for better and worse, it's my main medication is getting mm-hmm. out in the woods and and making an effort, expending myself to a degree. It's just uh, I you know I, I probably. I've probably erred on the side of addiction to that at mm-hmm. some points, mm-hmm. but where, where, what place do you, do you have a place for that in your therapy? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, so when I was in grad school, one of the things I, in one area of the community care was I asked if it was okay, if I could run with my clients and mm-hmm. run and then have our session immediately wow. following. And I got the okay on it. I, I always like to think a little bit outside of the box as outside of the traditional environment setting for for therapy. And I remember there was like one particular client at the time who was a runner um, and he had gotten a scholarship uh, to run in university, but then lost the scholarship um, because of drug use and we were working through some stuff. And we had a great relationship, but there was something about... I was like, You wanna do you wanna run together? And I saw his face light up. And I was like, listen, you're gonna have to go slow because you're gonna leave me in the dust for sure. But do you wanna go for a run together and have our session? I was at Northwestern in, in Chicago or Evanston and like we'll we'll just go sit by the lake halfway through and have a session on a rock and then we'll run back. He's like yeah, let's do it. I was like, okay. And, and I I started to do that a little bit more. And I saw, you know, that, well, one, I think the shared commitment of, you know, going through the thing together is something that is very bonding, uniting. Um, But there was something that I noticed that allowed people to come closer to their emotional experiences once there had been movement prior and fast forward, you know, I'm, I'm now based in upstate New York. Um, but I still do a lot of this in, in the city. And that's where it was generated as well is that I would do workshops with workout classes. Hmm. So we would have, you know, the hour workout and then immediately following that I would, Give a workshop in which I would be asking people to process through the stuff that came up, you know, and I so I yes, I have loved using movement, of course, for myself, whenever, whenever I have a big decision, or whenever I feel stuck, movement first, right? That's
0: that that helps. So what are your, what are your go tos today? Is it is running? Is that? top of the list. No, I
1: don't, I don't love running. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, not, not as much um, anymore, but uh, cycling, pel- well, Peloton, I can get on there and do that. Um, the classes, uh, which is specific, it's, it's a digital platform, but they're based in New York City and LA. Yeah. Um, boxing, um again whenever I can get my lacrosse stick out, uh, even Sorry. the, well, wall ball is what we call it. Yeah. Um, And just like getting my stick and a ball and just the, you know, over and over and over and over. And that's the thing, right. When you're, I got to focus on the ball. I can't really think about anything else right now. Yeah. Like that. It's just to be there for as an adult, not because I'm trying to improve my stick skills at this point in my life. You know, it's like, no, this is about therapy, right? This is about presence, right? This is about being right here with this ball, and connecting mm. with it. Okay. Um, and what else? Pilates. Yeah, I mean, hiking, yeah. we lit, you know, we're up here now. So hiking, walking, all of that. But I try to push competitively, at least
0: on the bike. And buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, it's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. You you talked about, or you mentioned, uh, earlier breath work. Is that a, Mm -hmm. something that you've been instilling into the health and wellness routine?
1: Yeah, I, it's definitely not something that I do every day. I can notice myself having resistance to it. Of course, you know it's like I, I think part of this is <laughs> the awareness of when you're like, nope, I'm going to resist this, or this feels uncomfortable for me. Um, I I have a husband who likes to lead me through breath work, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, uh, when I do it, it is really powerful. Um, and I, I guess I'm thinking of it more on the, the, the grander scale when I'm setting aside quite a bit of time, but like box breathing, I do every day, multiple times a day, you know, where it's like, you don't even realize it. Yeah. Like it doesn't almost feel as, as intentional as setting aside 30 minutes to be led. Yeah. Um, but, but that, you know, speaking to the parenting side, we're doing it with code mm. Right. He's, he's two, but it's like and not he's obviously not counting, you know, the box, but to just breathe in and breathe out. And it's so adorable because the moment we go breathe through your nose and we do the big breath in and then he stops crying or he stops having the emotional big, kind of the, the big emotions and then out through your mouth. And he does it. He goes. Oh. And it's like it's immediate, right? And so so it's so special to see yeah. these tools that work even when they don't necessarily have the full understanding of of what's going on. But yeah, so the that's, so some uh, of the smaller stuff yes on the daily and then some of the bigger ones um less yeah. frequently,
0: but and the box I, breathing, the yeah, power. that's that's become my go-to when I realize oh, yeah. constantly that my shoulders are up. And and I'm just breathing shallow and I may be excited, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's it's not bad, but just, Mm -hmm. and then sit there and and do that. Tell me about nutrition on the nutrition Mm -hmm. side, anything that you specific that you adhere to there.
1: Yeah, I, so a big, I think a lot shifted during COVID, honestly, because we went from, eating out quite a bit or, you know, having food delivered New York City, you know, sort of the the culture there to cooking everything. And I noticed a huge shift during that time. I was like the consistency, the predictability for my body and how much I've been dairy free for a really long time. Um, and yeah, even just noticing, I think as I age, i notice certain reactions to things formerly that wouldn't affect me. Like now I know that I have gluten issues. It doesn't mean that I never partake in gluten, but yeah, like I'll get kind of a rash around my eyes and it's like, oh yeah, the body just lets you know if you're willing to listen to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so anyway, my, my point is we pretty much cook every meal and we eat, cleanly and our bodies thank us for it. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, like I can, you can feel the difference so significantly. It's automatic. Even when we eat out at a good restaurant, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. My, my stomach doesn't manage it as well as it does when I'm cooking at home and when it knows what it's going to get. Mm -hmm. And it's just pretty incredible to just see how the body responds to it and how it communicates and all of that. And so, um, yeah, we've been thinking about doing a years ago I, I went and got tested and I had candida yeast buildup yeah. and I went on a candida cleanse and 45 days. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It was hard. I made Connor do it with me. Cause I was like, there is no way that I make it through this. If you are sitting next to me, snacking on something, it's like, <laughs> I cannot do this unless you're doing it with me. And he did it. And honestly, within two weeks um, what the doctor had said at the time was that you are only operating at 50 percent max capacity mm. and I felt that shift happen about two weeks in where even though it was hard and even though she certainly had cravings for things here and there all of a sudden my whole being was what's the best way to describe it like It wasn't like I was buzzing, but it was like, I energized or energized. I wasn't tired. I wasn't struggling. I was, you know, it was none of that. I felt really at peace, Mm -hmm. uh, in my entire body. So we've been thinking about doing something like that again, but, uh, yeah, I, I we we eat well. And I think that there's been a real shift in the predictability and consistency of of the foods that we put
0: into our bodies. I, I recently I'm big on wearable devices now, and I, I recently <laughs> got a, a new a garment. I use it for my cycling and running and stuff, but it, it has a, mm-hmm. a body battery you know, thing on it. I didn't have that on my last one. And I can watch my food intake. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. of course, stress and other things can can mm-hmm. affect it, but especially looking at my food intake. And yesterday, it's interesting you're saying that. Yesterday, I had uh, total paleo day. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, let's see, no sugar, no carbs, really. No alcohol. And my body battery this morning it says 100%. I've never hit 100%. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, right? When you have something that tracks Tracks that and shows you what a significant impact it has on you. And to you know, maybe that's not going to be your everyday, but to give yourself that, uh, did you watch Limitless on oh, yeah. Disney Plus? Yeah, yeah right? Like the one, the episode around fasting, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously, that was the last do... one we
0: watched just recently, okay?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think he did a four day fast, maybe we watched it a while ago, yeah, it was three um, or four yeah 3 or 4 days which obviously you know that's significant you got to set up your you know your your week appropriately in order to you know get through something like that but i think they were saying to do a day fast quarterly mhm that mm-hmm. really just resets everything for you and so maybe that's your next challenge <laughs> i, I we've,
0: we've actually i've done I, my buddy's a, a doc and we've a functional medicine doc so we've, uh-huh. we've we've actually done done that i do one probably every quarter yeah. And then, uh, I did do a five day fast wow. and it was, uh, Oof. it was, it was a, yeah, it was an experience. It was, uh, I had been working yeah. up to it, so it wasn't, it wasn't super hard, uh-huh. but, uh, Oh, well, that's good. Part, part of, you know, you've talked a lot. I mean, the next category here Mm -hmm. is mind and mental health.
1: And -hmm. you've talked
0: about some of those things that you do already, as far as Mm -hmm. getting out and kind of grounding yourself and D rolling. And and I love Mm -hmm. these things. And of course your life is about mind Mm -hmm. and mental health. I'm, I'm usually curious with therapists specifically of where do you looking at your own mental state and where are Mm -hmm. you, where do you need to advocate for yourself? Where are Mm -hmm. you most Mm -hmm. at risk of getting derailed?
1: Yeah, I think where we're where I'm most at risk now is community, meaning we moved. Our community is really spread out. And we've been in this conversation about where we really want to settle in and we don't have a ton of community up where we live we love where we live we love our home we love our you know the property that that we have here the land is so beautiful it's very nourishing um and we're without community here and that's been a hard thing for both of us and um this, yeah, the, the, you know, we're thinking maybe we'll have another child here soon. And, um you know, we're not going to do that without community around. We know how hard, you know, code was born during pandemic too. So there were layers of it where yeah. I think it was, it, it was dialed up, right? Of we didn't have people coming over to visit us part, in part because, you know, it was, it was the pandemic. And so, um, yeah, I, I think community support is so important to us. We have such amazing people in our lives, but because they're in different places, you know, we don't get the benefit of that. And there's been times where we've spent a month with, you know, a number of friends in a, Location and that has been the most fulfilling mm. and you know expansive experiences for us, and I think finding that place is the next thing on the list of to do's mm. because we are relational i mean human we are relational beings. Connor and I are being connected in our relationships matters. It's right at the top of the list. And when we can't see the people that we love on a consistent basis, you know, that, that is challenging for us. And so, yeah, I think that if we were to not prioritize that, that would be very challenging for us uh, to kind of continue on the way that we're, we're doing it.
0: Well, and I'm going to guess, I mean, I, I don't have to guess. I mean, we know that, diseases of despair are ever Mm -hmm. increasing and I tend to I know there's a lot that we can attribute it to so I'll ask you I but I tend to look at even though we are you know uber connected you know in quotes shallowly that we are less deeply connected and that people's feelings of isolation and being alone have got to be top of the list for this Mm -hmm. increase in apathy yeah. and depression. Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we know it, that isolation is the killer
1: and, you know, and so in response to that, right, it is connection. It is community. It's, you know, it's, it's closeness, it's intimacy, right. It's all of those things. And, you know, we do a decent job of you know maintaining great relationships with people. But I think again, we're getting to that point in life where we want to be around the people we love yeah. and who love us and, um, my husband is Canadian. Uh, so all of his family's there. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, we just kind of exist in this space where we have people who come to us from time to time, certainly. Um, but we don't, we're not in the village, you know, maybe you said that on the other, the other session, but, um, and that, and that's something that we want.
0: Where do you, are there places again, kind of like we talked about with exercise or places Mm -hmm. where you daily set aside, just for your mental wellness, what do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, it's certainly a little more challenging with that kiddo running around. But yeah, like once, he, you know, in the mornings, Um we're very lucky to have a child who sleeps until about 730 right now. It's not too early of a rise. So we get that little note. You said in. two years old.
0: That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah um so we, we've we got a little nook in the morning uh-huh. um and then he you know he goes to bed um around 7 30 ish as well and um that time afterwards and so yeah morning rituals that we talked about before really important the connor and i will generally carve out a time in the day where one of us will go work out so we can get that piece um Uh, You know, I I don't know if I mentioned this on the other. I'm an only child. I might have said that kind of in passing. (laughs) So, you know, I grew up uh, with myself. (laughs) Um, I like my alone time a lot. I love being connected to other people, too. But I really like my alone time. And that is important for me. And so whether that's going for a solo walk sometimes, um, obviously repeated it now endless times about you know working out and carving out some of that for myself, um, taking a bath and you know, just being very intentional with some type of a ritual or caretaking experience for me that feels important you know it's like trying to get those into the day at least one of those things into the day where i just get a little bit of vienna time um Mm -hmm. but also where my partner and i get Couple time too, you know. I think when you're navigating individual couple and family, you know, it's really hard sometimes to juggle. And yeah, yeah, uh, you might be able to speak to the challenge of this uh, even more with nine kiddos, right? Of like, yeah, where does the individual fit in there? Where does the couple fit in? You know, when we're prioritizing family or connection with, you know, with with children and knowing how important that is. But I've always said that you know, the family is only as strong as the couple is only as strong as the individual, right? It's like, in the system, right, rises from the individual, right? How healthy I am as an individual will play into how healthy we are as a couple, how healthy we are as a family. And so that reminder of what do I need, Vienna, in order to fee- to be well, you know, and and for me, it's like, some of it is the self care kind of quiet, but sometimes it's like babe I have to go into the city like I need uh a time with my friends there or I need to i want to go see a show or i i want to have i want to go to this event with Somebody I find super interesting, like to make sure that I am still honoring my ability, my desire to toggle between these different worlds yeah. that's been a really important thing for me. Connor could never go back to Manhattan and be happy, but for me i I do love aspects of New York City. I also love aspects of nature and the calm and and what we have, but t- in being honest with what it is that I need to feel alive and to feel um inspired you know i get a lot of inspiration from that and and even though we might have some differences with it it's like making sure that but both of us are i think you use the word advocating for at some point but like to advocate for this is what i need for for me to feel satiated And we're
0: back to the self love aspect of, you know, loving others as we love ourselves. If we love ourselves, I'm interested in you mentioning being an only child and liking your alone time. How does that that's a different uh, direction into it as opposed to saying, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm an introvert extrovert. Mm -hmm. How do you fit that in there?
1: I am introverted. And I can. <laughs> How would I say? I'm probably on a cusp at times, but I I do restore by being with myself quite yeah. a bit. I can restore by being with others if it feels authentic
0: that's there's my rub and I was actually I had another therapist on one time when I was sharing about my the social things that I can Mm -hmm. I can do well in I can Mm -hmm. function well in but they drain me and I mentioned being an introvert and he took me to task a little bit it was Mm -hmm. uh Dr. Benjamin Hardy took me to task a little bit and and really brought out that also Mm -hmm. I tend to not be authentic I perform Mm kind of I do put Mm -hmm. on I don't know. Somewhat, maybe I don't know if I want to say a persona, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm a people pleaser, and so it's. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to turn that off. Somewhat, yeah. uh, as well. But I do. Back to you know, I I don't know. I is it my programming or is it just me? But I right. do feel like I need that alone time. But sometimes I even reading your book, I'm thinking, gosh, but how much of that sometimes is I need the alone time because I just need to avoid all the stuff the drama yeah
1: but i think the question is like what's the fear what happens if i don't perform in this setting yeah Right. Like what what happens if I don't please in this setting? Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, on my side, I feel depleted when it it does when it feels performative from other people, um, or it feels like kind of surface level. Like that, that is not fulfilling for me. That is not a good exchange of my time. I would rather than be with myself. But when it's nourishing connection, experiences, conversations with people, that feels generating and and restorative for me and but i think that that question is a really important one Uh, you the listener right is like what am i afraid happens if i am not on right if i'm not performing and we're not talking about you presenting on stage or something like that like of course there's a job to do if that's the case but when it's just like you with People at a cocktail party or some event that's not about you right? it's like, yeah, like who am I if i'm not performing, and what's the story
0: hmm. right that's interesting yeah I, yeah I I still have work to do there i you back to reading in your book about my I don't know if you use these words, caretaking of other people's Mm -hmm. emotions. I want them to feel good so that I feel good, Mm -hmm. and I can get caught in that, especially in a group setting, which is different than this. I'm not doing that here at all, and this is not draining. This is this is almost a flow state, honestly, of Mm -hmm. of having this conversation but that's interesting i am i was i I have a brother seven years younger uh sister 10 years so i was more an only child Mm so it's interesting Mm -hmm. too. i hadn't thought about that that i got used to my Mm -hmm. alone time there in addition maybe to being a little introverted. Well, the right. next, the next one here is work and career mm-hmm. and business. And I will ask your values there because I assume you're in, or you could be in a time of shift transition. now? you've been therapist, you've been, mm-hmm. you know, doing social media. Like we talked about, you've got, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, six, 700,000 people on Instagram following you. But I assume you've been primarily the role of therapist. Now you are mm-hmm. author. Uh, with a, a book that's, that's selling incredibly well. And with that come and now you're doing this, you're doing, you know, guesting uh, mm-hmm. and and probably getting lots of other opportunities as well. I would assume it is bringing mm-hmm. you to a place, which is where a lot of my guests are of kind of looking at, okay, what do I value here? Cause there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. 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 That's right. And I still get a, a good giggle out of the title of author. People are like, you're an author. I'm like, no, Oh. They're like, no, literally, you're an author. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I got yeah, the- yeah, that's a I gotta I gotta embody got that. Book Take- in hand yeah.
0: with your name on it, right <laughs> <there>. <laughs>
1: That's it. I'm an author. Um yeah, there's there's transition, you know, again, um coming back to the thing, the 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 work that is most meaningful to me. And I love working with people. And you know when i said integrity before that that's a huge pillar for the work side of course too and that to me means not not leaving behind something for something that's shinier almost right like okay. i when i sit and think what do i actually love doing day in day out it's being in conversation with people hmm. period will I write another book at some point maybe, you know, but I wrote that book while seeing clients. I, I'm having these interviews and I have a full week of clients, you know, that I haven't had to shift away from seeing my clients. That hasn't been something that's gotten in the way. And I don't know that I would take on anything unless I entered into a new chapter in my life in which that felt aligned where I would stop seeing clients because clients, they get all the credit. They're the credit. You know, I can't do anything that I do without them. Hmm. Hmm. I can't do anything that I do without them. I can't write a great book without them. I can't learn Hmm. (laughs) without them. right? Like I get to be in the real life experiences and stories of people who generously and bravely and vulnerably share their lives with me. Hmm. This is the greatest education of my life. Right. And so everything that I get to say and do, and, you know, it comes from that and without it, I don't really know what there is. I mean, research. Sure. It doesn't sound super compelling to me. It's like, being with humans is the research for mm-hmm. me. You know, like I've worked now, gosh, I've been saying 20,000 hours for years now. So probably many more thousands than that, where I've worked with individuals, couples, and families face to face, you know, over these last 15 plus years now. And when you do this work, you can't talk about it without being in it. Yeah. I mean, you can try. Plenty of people try. But You can't talk to the human experience if you're not in contact with many, many different types of human experiences. And like you said, when you're talking about your kids where you're like, you're brainwashed. You got to talk to new people. You got to get new with this, that. right? If I am giving, quote unquote, advice about how to have healthy relationships based on my singular experience, (laughs) even if it works for me. Right, that is so limited. So the mm. gift of being in conversation with people who have entirely different stories, entirely different complexity, entirely different family systems, entirely different pain, right, helps me be able to communicate this message to the world in a way that generally will land with most people.
0: Hmm. Well, thanks if they allow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. No, it's great. I love the paradigm actually I'm thinking about that. That's, that's what I think I'm thankful for people like you. That's why it's the only reason I get to sit here and do this. And that's what my book came out of. And uh, mm-hmm. gosh, yeah, that's thanks. right. Yeah.
1: I'll share this. Cause this is something I struggle with is You know, I when I I was in Chicago, uh, Evanston for grad school, and then I moved back east and started working in in Manhattan. And there was something about making it in New York City, you know, that that felt important in those early years. And obviously, I was young. I was, was 23. Yeah, 23 at the time when I was was in New York, starting starting my career there. And. Yeah, I, I made it, you know, I, I, uh, I created a lot from there and that city didn't break me. Uh, I, I found a way, you know, to, to, to do something that I wanted to, and to become successful there. And, that I think for a period of time that was a badge of honor you know I think for a lot of people who have spent some time in New York City it's like that that can feel like if you made it in New York City you can make it anywhere right yeah. it's like sort of that mantra that a lot of New Yorkers have and I feel confronted by the idea you know we've we're sort of the little stepping stone we're upstate New York now but still have my office in the city still go in for events you know still still can touch it Um, and and I feel confronted confronted by the idea of going further away from it. And um, yeah, like existing in this work without that badge, in some ways, you know, and it's not figured out. (laughs) It's a little messy. But you know, as we think about I said, Oh, what I know to be true is what at the top of the list is community, it's being around the people we love, and that that's not you know, I have some many people I love there, but um, that's not a workable place for us as a family um, for a number of reasons. And OK, so what happens right when I know that this is true and this is so important to me and simultaneously this like. Uh Oh, I'm moving away from the city that gave me so many opportunities. I'm so grateful to it. And I feel proud of what I accomplished there. And can I still be this somewhere that's quite a bit quieter, Yeah, you know? And yeah. So again, it's, it's, uh, it's a question that I'm sitting with and, uh, reflecting on, and I don't have the answers to it all right now. Um, I'll let you know when I do, but yeah, yeah, when it comes to work, you know, it's, that's, it's a, it's a question that I'm holding for myself right
0: now. Yeah. Thanks for the candor. Um, I think a lot of folks will relate to that. And a piece of that, when you were talking about work is money. That's the Mm -hmm. next one. Money finances, wealth. Where would you say your values are as you, uh, look at, yeah, money.
1: Relationship to money has shifted so much over the years. Um, I grew up with a father who was like pretty middle, 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 upper class, right? Or sorry, upper middle class. Um, I think that's the right way to say it. Uh, Nothing fancy, but like decently well off. And then my mom was, um, Kind of poverty line, honestly, mm. and very different ways of existing and living in the world. And I grew up; I, I was living with my mom for you know the majority of my childhood, and then I uh, started living with my dad. I think maybe in like seventh or eighth grade, I made a decision to 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 leave. And I remember when I started really thinking about my relationship to money. Part of what drove it drove the desire to make money, to be independently financially successful was the fear of existing in the world in the way that my mom did. Mm. It was hard because as they were going through this divorce and she had nothing and he had, he had enough, he had plenty. Right? It's like I saw what that looked like mm-hmm. and what that looked like was really scary to me. It was like, I cannot be in a position where someone or something outside of me has control or power over me, right? It's like, I need to be powerful. I cannot be helpless. I cannot be powerless. And it, so, you know, it was motivated and driven from a fear-based place for a really long time. And, you know, I, in the book, I share um, something that a colleague of mine says, which is, um that our wounds and our gifts are next door neighbors
0: wounds and our gifts yeah right like yeah. when people
1: are like Frozen. well i wouldn't be who what i what i wouldn't i wouldn't be who i am today without The story, right? And you know, I I that is very true. I believe that's that to be true. It's like you know, I am a phenomenal therapist because I, you know, at least one part of it is because I figure I can track a story. I don't forget a single detail because I grew up with manipulation and gaslighting around me. So like, there's the pain, and then here's the gift, and there's a point though. Bring coming back to that wise, mature adult self, right, where the motivation doesn't need to come from the pain anymore. Right. So part of my motivation for becoming kind of independently financially successful was driven by this fear, by this pain of what I saw and what I experienced and what I believed to be true. And what that, you know, I was a, I'm a hard worker. I've always been a hard worker. I'm determined and, but sometimes I don't know where to stop. And, you know, when I was, just building my practice at the beginning, you know, I was working six different gigs and, you know, it's, I, yeah, I gave a lot to it. But I start working at 6am and stop working at midnight and, you know, and okay. It set me up well, but it also meant that I missed out on a lot of things that I, you know, probably didn't need to miss out on at the time, but again, was just generated and being driven by this fear until I really came to understand what the motivator was. And I needed to be able to shift that, which, you know, maybe not shockingly, uh, the moment I shift even more abundance came, right. When it's like, it doesn't need to be driven by the pain anymore, the fear anymore. It's like, I can choose how I want to relate to money and I can continue to want to have financial success. And, you know, I think really what was tied to that was stability uh, and, you know, safety and consistency and, um, but I can do that from a place of healing around mm-hmm.
0: that, you know, and yeah, it's um, what, what, what's the I, line again, the g- gifts and, and gifts and whatever our that is. are,
1: yeah, that our wounds and our gifts or wounds, that our pain gifts. and our gifts are our next door neighbors, Dr. Alexander Solomon.
0: You know, endurance and no excuses, no limits was, it was awesome Mm -hmm. as an athlete. You know that Mm -hmm. it was, it Mm -hmm. served me so well, gets applause out there in the world. Oh, yeah. It was the bane of relationships. Mm -hmm. It still is. I don't want to, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go in and fix and dig in. Mm -hmm. I would just, can we just endure it? And man, that, uh, and so, yeah, honoring that the wounds and the gifts are neighbors is, Mm -hmm. that's stout. That's uh... yeah.
1: And I think what you know, speaking because we were talking about the high performers and the achievers before, I think sometimes the fear of looking at our pain is really the fear of losing our edge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. And, and this idea, and you know, I, I've worked, I work with athletes and, and other, you know, high performers, high achievers, but, you know, I think this idea that just because, you are looking or addressing something or, or healing something doesn't have to mean that you're losing your edge. Sometimes we're so motivated by the, the, the dark, you know, by the pain, like whatever inner critic or whatever we
0: say to I'm like, a prove or, I'm a prove wrong. Yeah.
1: Sure. Or like, whatever it is, you need to say to pedal faster, you know, or like whatever it's like, I, I think that's the trouble is that we know that we can get those outcomes with in different ways. Um, you ever watch basketball, college basketball?
0: Nah, not really.
1: All right. So you might not know. But like the the different types of coaches. Right? I remember the Bobby oh, Nights yeah. of the World, sure. right? Where it's like throwing chairs on the on the court, screaming at people in their faces, you know, versus the coaches who are just kind of well, I grew up on football.
0: Like, so it was you know, Tom Landry with Dallas, man. Okay. The guy was the most stoic person on the planet. Never an yeah. emotion. That, yeah. Totally opposite. Yeah.
1: Right. And it's like, you can see that you can, you can achieve either way. Yeah. Right. You can have great teams or get great athletes to get to this certain point, but what path are you taking? Yeah. And I think it's a really good analogy, right. To just think about like, yeah, you can still win a championship even if you're not screaming at yourself, huh. you know, you can yeah. still become successful in whatever, you know, definition it, that is for you without needing to hold and cling to your pain. Huh. Right. And that was true for me when it came to money. Yeah. Right. It's like, like I said, when I started to resolve that and not be motivated by the fear more abundance came. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's big.
0: This last category here is, and I feel like you've, you've just naturally tapped on a lot of it, but the things you do that gives you energy, but I generally wrap this. I've been trying to wrap this around, somewhat non-productive things, the things that you do, that's not, cause I mean, your work inspires you and mm-hmm, gives your energy mm-hmm. and, you know, writing and being a parent, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, granted, but the things that you go out here and do, like you talked about, sometimes I just got to get in the city, see a show or whatever. Mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. going to increase your profession or, or it doesn't right. build, create something. It's something that you're just doing because mm-hmm. this energizes me. Kind of like you talked about the alone time that I don't, I, you said it somewhat in my paraphrasing, you know, to, to make, Vienna, the best Vienna she can be. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, any activities, interests, hobbies, something that fall in that line? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, being with my son is a huge one. There's nothing that that does for me. I mean, maybe it helps me connect to other people who have children and, you know, understand their stories a little bit differently, but to just like, just being present with him and playing with him and like watching his cute little like mannerisms and little personality emerge and the funny things that he does, like that energizes and is so nourishing and fulfilling, um, great conversations with people. It's hard when it's like, it's almost like everything that exists does play into my work in some way, <laughs> yeah. but it's not for it. You know, it's, it's not intentionally like, Ooh, what am I going to get from this? That's going to support me professionally. Right? It's like, I am so fulfilled and nourished through deep conversation. Um, love intimacy, right? Like when I, when I say intimacy, I mean uh, going innermost with myself and going innermost with, with others. And when I get, and that's, you know, certainly part of conversation and connection, but when, uh, yeah, when we get to exist in that space, that feels so rewarding, like having reflections, that's energizing, right? In some ways, like, not because I need to, oh, this is why, or uh, now I'm connecting every dot, but there's something about reflections and introspection that when something clicks in and you're like, oh, that's that opening for change. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so inspiring and invigorating. Um, mm-hmm. Wonder and awe, you know, just seeing the beauty of the world and yeah, traveling, new experiences, all of that is is so generative for me. If we can resolve, you know, if we can face, if we can do these things, then we begin to shift these relationships in some level where, you know, as we transition, yeah, like maybe that can be our experience. And so... Yeah, just wanted to share that here.
0: Thank you. I feel honored um, that you would share that. I'm grateful for your—I'm not surprised that you're successful as a therapist um, with your heart and depth and insight. Thank you for bringing it here. Thank you for bringing it to me. I get Mm -hmm. to be the first and most beneficiary of that, but I'm so grateful to bring— this message and you to everyone. Vienna, thank you. Thanks for the time. And yeah, just your heart and investment in this time with me. I'm incredibly mm-hmm. grateful, forever grateful. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: This episode was just truly a gift to me. Again, Vienna Farron's book is called the origins of you, how breaking family patterns can liberate the way we live and love. And you can find her on Instagram at mindful M F T folks. Thank you for tuning into the self-helpful podcast, where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends.